are hearing this right now, it means we're covering some graphic topics in today's episode. This is a true crime and paranormal podcast. There's going to be some murder. Are we hot? Are we hot? We are hot. Are the mics on? Mics are, are on. Are we hot? Okay. Speaking of hot, I'm freezing. We're hot, but we're cold. We choose to we're record yes, in a no. trailer with no heat source. We're in a metal box and it's freezing outside, so we're basically in, in a big refrigerator. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What have you been up to this week? Just working with the children, you know. Children. <laughs> Bless your heart. I could not. It's fun, Mm-mm. man. It's fun. Kids are the worst. When it's nice out, we get to play soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Talking like I'm one of the kids. <laughs> when yeah. it's nice out, we get teacher lets us play soccer sometimes. Yeah. And oh, for a snack, we had grapes. <laughs> Those kids suck at soccer. <gasps> yeah, who needs kids? No, they're actually pretty good. I got nutmegged yesterday. What? The ball goes between your legs. Nutmeg. Oh, I had nutmeg confused with tea bag. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the kids are pretty good. Like, like they damn, whew, that's graphic. Tea bagged. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, actually, that's I funny. have something for you. Yeah, it's a gift, but I would like it back at some point. So it's like rent a gift. It's a, it's a <laughs> <laughs> okay. here in my hands. I have for you the first true crime book I've ever owned. I bought this when I was like 10 years old. Really? I to, yeah, I went to Barnes & Noble with my parents, and I picked out this book, and my mom was like, I don't I don't think we should let her get this. This looks <laughs> graphic. That's and funny. She was confused, and my dad was like, ah, who cares? So he bought me the book, and it's been one of my favorites ever since. It's called Profiling, the Psychology of Catching Killers nice. by David Owen. I just wanted to give you this. So Sweet. You, Thank you. I can pass on the true crime torch. This looks like Jesse from uh, Breaking Bad. It does look like Jesse from Breaking Bad on That's the cover, funny. but it's a really good book and Sweet. rent a gift. I would like it back at some point because sure. it holds a lot of sentimental value, but yeah. I yeah. thought you'd enjoy it. There's a lot of pictures that I really loved as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Picture book. Picture book of murder. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, that's what got me interested in true crime because it like dives into the the whole mindset behind serial killers oh, and like sweet. goes in, like yeah, awesome. case this by awesome. case. Yeah, so enjoy that. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Now maybe you'll like murder as much as I do. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Because I, I don't hope for... Do you don't hope uh, to find a dead body? Yeah, I don't hope for bags on the side of the body. road to have body parts in them. I don't hope for dead ba- dead bags. Yeah, For you dead do. bodies in the bags. I just, every time I drive, I like eyeball those bags to see okay. if they look like cut up body parts. Okay, okay. Like, I'm like, can I make out a foot in that bag? I see. I kind of slow down, though, when I pass them. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had a connection, or we had a, a hookup to the person who found oh, I was so the, disappointed. the Newberg foot, the dumpster foot, you know. But I wanted to talk to out, them so badly. Nope. I know, right? I was like, Not that Ooh. they would know any more information than we do, but, like, maybe. But, I mean, they would have touched a foot. <laughs> what That's was crazy. it like finding a, de- finding, a, finding a part of a body? Let me know. In detail. Let me just soak it in. <laughs> Oh I could only be so lucky. <laughs> That's funny. It's probably horrible. Probably. I actually kind of hope to not ever do that, but like back in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, you want to find a body. That would mess with my <laughs> head, I think. I don't I don't know. It doesn't. Uh, I think I could do yeah. a severed limb more than I could a full body. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah still probably would, you know, haunt me. <laughs> probably. Forever, but... Some nightmares after. Oh, oh God. Hello, hello, welcome to Archive. Who are we? <laughs> That's Ben. <laughs> oh 
my gosh. That, uh, that's Bailey over there. Yeah, this is all about murder mystery and all around mayhem. Um, all about it. All about it. That's honestly all that's happening in my life right now is mayhem. Okay, I want to get into my case because I'm really excited and it has to do with jazz. You can't see, but I just did jazz hands. Let me put down my hot pocket. And not the good kind, <laughs> the kind you... Hot pocket. The hot thing that you put in your pocket to make your hands warm because we're in a refrigerator. Hot hands. Hot hands, yeah. I'm going to call it a hot pocket. So... Hot pocket. Chemical I'm going flavor. first. This. <laughs> I think if you ate what's inside there, you would definitely die. Is it like those little silica warm, packets that like when you get a new backpack, there's like the silica packet in the uh, bottom and it's like, Mason do not eat. eat. He used to eat them? Yeah. Middle <gasps> school. It wasn't even like a flex. It was just like, I'm going to eat this. It's like dumb kid stuff. Yeah, just take it out of the beef jerky and eat it. Every Jeez. once in a while. It's weird, man. That will literally <laughs> kill you, but okay. I mean. Now we know why he is the way he he's is. fine. Okay. <laughs> I want to yeah, get into so my case. Yeah, so you're first, so. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm doing, this week I'm doing the Axeman of New Orleans. It's and cool it's a famous case. I'm going to tell you that right now pretty much every podcast has covered it every you know it's famous people know about it because because there's like a, a comical side to the case which i'll get into it later it's about jazz so it's kind of comical but um and like it's weird but i wanted to approach it a little bit differently okay there's tons of articles about this case tons of podcasts we talked about that but most of them left out a really important element of the whole thing which is the extreme like xenophobic undertones of this killer uh, so yeah, yeah the case is weird and like kind of funny because it has to do with jazz but the Axeman was this like racially charged serial killer and i think it's important to highlight that element of the story because a lot of sources just brush over it mm. you know yeah that's important yeah so i'm gonna take a little bit of that approach within the case but i'll keep all the fun jazz stuff as well yeah i'm interested to see giggles. how this jazz stuff works out like i feel like the Axeman seems more like they'd be into like rock or something like heavy well metal. he's from new orleans and it's 1919 so okay <laughs> probably no heavy metal going on heavy jazz only heavy jazz <laughs> okay so i don't even know i can't even i can't even visualize that <laughs> heavy jazz that's great uh what was i gonna say mm. oh okay let's start so Joseph and Catherine Maggio went to bed in their apartment on May 22nd, 1918. They lived above this grocery store that they owned, and they were both Italian immigrants. Um, but that night, as the Maggio slept, an unknown, unknown attacker broke into their home in the dead of night and just slit the couple's throats with a straight razor before bashing their heads in with an axe. Ah, yo, why? <laughs> Worst wake-up call ever. <laughs> yeah, but when the Why did you both? Why would you... I don't know, but in an article I read, it was like he slit Catherine's throat so deeply that her head was almost severed from her body. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. It makes me kind of like cringe thinking about it. Just turned down my laptop. That is brutal. That is is brutal. (laughs) When police finally got to the scene, though, they determined no money was missing. Um, Nothing was missing from the grocery store that they lived above. No valuables were taken. Obviously, the motivation was not robbery in this case. And the attacker had chiseled a wooden panel out of the back door to get in, like the back door of the store. He chiseled out a wooden panel. um, And then after the murder, the axe was left in the bathroom. The razor was thrown into a neighbor's garden and police found the bloody clothes the murderer had left and he changed into like clean clothing before he left. Dang. 
So like so he thought he was doing it good. He thought he was getting away clean, but they just found everything. Well, I don't think he was trying to get away clean because I think it's weird because it feels unorganized, but at the same time, he left the murder weapons, like, well, he left the axe and he tossed the razor, but mm-hmm. he remembered to bring a change of clothes. And like, and the weirdest part, written in chalk on pavement not far from the crime scene, uh, the attacker wrote, Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. And okay, we're going to go back in history a little bit. A huh? little historical flashback. We're going to go back to 1911, 1912. Um, during this like two-year span, a number of Italian grocers had been targeted by an axe-wielding assailant, including a Mrs. Tony Chiambra. And all of these attacks in 1911 and 1912 had the same mode of entry. The attacker would break into the homes of Italian grocers by busting out a panel in their back door. So it's a copycat. No. They they associate these killings with the axe murder from Joseph oh, and Catherine's same, case. You think yes. it's the same guy? Okay. It is the same guy, but that was 1911, 1912s, and he, he takes like the six-year hiatus and then goes back to attacking in 1918. That's weird. That's yeah. really weird. And I want to take it back a little bit further. We're going to dive into a little history lesson. He's like, maybe I'll try therapy, okay, <laughs> for six years. And he's like, all right, this isn't working. We're going to go back to, you know, the axe murdering. <laughs> That is his therapy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Self-medicated <laughs> with straight razor and an axe. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, he would take the, the axe and the straight razor. He would kill them with items he found in their homes. Like, the axes that mm. he always used were always axes that those people owned. He never brought his own axe, but he brought clothes to change into. I'm like, okay, come on. Bring your Damn. own tools. So to protect yourself, you just have to not own an axe. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not be Italian. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. <laughs> what does this guy have against Italian shopkeepers? Well, let me get into what it. What is this? I was about to give you my history okay, lesson. Okay, my bad, my bad. Quick history lesson. Um, there's a lot of articles and depiction of the Axeman that leave out the xenophobia and just racism towards Italians in general. But New Orleans has always been this like thriving business community of Italian immigrants since before the Civil War. Like in the 1800s, there was a need for cheap labor and larger workforces on sugar plantations, especially since like slavery was outlawed after the Civil War. So a lot of Italians came to Louisiana to fill that need, but um, they were facing a bunch of discrimination as well. They were working alongside African-Americans in low-paying, laborious jobs. And of course, being immigrants from another country, they didn't understand the like disgusting social hierarchies of the South at that time. So they didn't understand that by by choosing to work with African Americans out in the fields, mm. they were gonna face a lot of that same racism and discrimination as well. Damn. Yeah. They even had like the occasional Italian like lynch mob. Like you hear about, you know, sadly African Americans being lynched at that time. There were yeah. also lynch mobs for Italians as well. Dang. Yeah. So a lot of these Italian immigrants settled in New Orleans and actually owned their own businesses in the early nineteen hundreds and primarily grocery stores. So well, I'm going to go on to talk about the Axeman more. Um, I didn't want this element of the murders to just be lost in history. These crimes are very much fueled by racism. Um, and this probably isn't the only factor. We don't know for sure. Um, but targeting almost exclusively Italian immigrants is pretty telling, I'd like to think. Like, this guy was definitely yeah. racist or xenophobic. Oh, yeah. So, okay, I'll hop off my little historical soapbox. But that's usually the element that a lot of times people leave out or just don't know about. Okay, back to murder. Now that we've gone back in time, let's slingshot us forward again back to 1918. Joseph and Catherine Maggio have just been murdered. Okay. He fled the scene. They found the axe and the razor and the bloody clothes. Set the scene. 
Yeah. And just a month after the murder of the Ma- Ma- Maggio. God, every time I say Maggio, I think of Ralph Maggio, the karate kid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's terrible. Axon. Axon. Oh, my God. I loved Karate Kid. Anyways, okay. That is ridiculous. That's what I think of every time I say Maggio. <laughs> Ralph on, Maggio. <laughs> okay, but after, okay, a month after the murder of the the Maggios, one. not the Karate Kid, a patron walked into the grocery store owned by Louis Bessemer, only to find Louis covered in blood, but still alive. Louis, no! <laughs> it was the same mode of entry as the other murders, through the back door, the same weapons and axe, um, and Lewis and his wife Harriet were brutally attacked with an axe, but both of them were found still alive. So, fun fact. Well, okay, this probably isn't fun. So, yeah. I guess <laughs> a fact. <laughs> Harriet was actually found out to be Lewis's mistress, not his wife. And mm. the media at the time had just a field day with this information. So, while Lewis and Harriet Bro. are laying in a hospital bed after a, a vicious and unprovoked attack, the newspapers at the time were like, two lovers hacked apart. How will their reputations recover? <laughs> like, damn. Damn, I just hope their limbs recover. <laughs> <laughs> I found that in an article. It was like, it was like they were hacked apart. But the worst part, they weren't even married. <laughs> damn. <laughs> like, Did, oh doing them God. so dirty. Doing them so dirty. Yeah. Sadly, Harriet died two months later from mm. her injuries. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, okay, before she died, she did what any good mistress does. Uh, she threw Lewis under the bus. Am I right? <laughs> she was saying that he was the one who did it and that he was also a German spy. What? But investigators found this hard to believe since Lewis was also hacked apart, basically. Yeah. He had a fractured skull and it's not like he could have done that to himself. That's I know right. I'm on my deathbed and I, I probably won't get anything from this, but like he did it. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Anyways. But a couple months after the attack on Lewis and Harriet, the Axeman struck again. But this time was different. He broke away from his typical M.O. because his victim, a, a pregnant woman may, named Mrs. Schneider. I always have so much trouble saying that name. Schneider. That's a tongue twister. The whole mouth moves when you say that one. Schneider. wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a pretty normal name. I don't know why it's so Schneider. hard for me to say. But Mrs. 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 Schneider. <laughs> wasn't italian and she didn't own a grocery store her husband just returned from work one day to find her bloody and unconscious on the floor of their home her scalp had been like cut open and a bunch of her teeth knocked out but other than that she and the baby were fine and like well, dis- she didn't own a grocery store yet <laughs> you know everyone's a potential grocery store owner so. i guess but she also was an italian well everyone's a potential <laughs> italian <laughs> just need to eat some more sabaro she did- <laughs> But, okay, despite the attacks, she actually went on to have her baby, like, a few days after without any complications. I was like, damn, you go, girl. Wow. Have a baby with, like, after an axe attack. The audacity. That's That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Okay. How bad was she injured? Not horribly. I mean, she was hit on the head with an axe and, like, maybe hit in the face because her teeth were missing. Like, she had been hit so hard that she was unconscious and her teeth were missing. Yikes. I mean, people have, like, miscarried from less than that. Yeah. You go, girl. Pretty strong. But, yeah, she told authorities that all she could remember was this dark figure looming over her after she woke up from a nap. But other than that, she couldn't remember the attack. I know. I was like, (gasps) every time I take a nap now, I'm going to think of that. (laughs) 
I'm gonna tell Jacob to <laughs> no. dress out in all black and stand over you. Oh, I will actually poop my pants. No, he, thank he you. He doesn't have the dedication. He, he doesn't. Do <laughs> but while the Axeman strayed from his mo to attack Mrs. Schneider, got it. He didn't wait long to get back to his old habits. Five days later, he attacked Joseph Romano, but not before Joseph's nieces saw the Axeman flee the scene. So Paula and Mary, his nieces, described the attacker as heavy set, dark skinned, and wearing a dark suit and slouch hat. I don't know what a slouch hat is, but it sounds trendy. The- You're going to look that up on uh, Depop. <laughs> Y2K vintage. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so it was the same mode of entry. No valuables were stolen. Obviously the same guy. And sadly, Joseph Romano did die of his wounds. But now the police at least had some some sort of description to go off of. Like it, it wasn't much, but That's it was good. more than they had before. That they got from the pregnant woman? No, from his nieces who saw the attacker and described him. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I kind of spaced for a second. <laughs> thinking about Depop now? Like, <laughs> Man, I got a lot of shopping to do later. <laughs> no, I was thinking about the killer because he, he attacks this pregnant woman and he's like, eh, it doesn't hit quite the same. Yeah, so five days later he attacks an Italian. It just doesn't hit the same. It's like that Drake meme. <laughs> pregnant women? Nah. Italians? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, the people of New Orleans were living in fear. That's literally my next line. <laughs> <laughs> the people of New Orleans are living in fear. And it's like not only the Italian community at this point, but everyone. I mean, Mrs. Mrs. Schneider almost almost messed up that time. Mrs. Schneider was proof that you didn't have to be Italian to be a victim. That's a horrible. I know. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Are you going to finish that? That's uh, just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the murder. I know brutal axe murder god it's the worst (laughs) (laughs) there's just like a ton of unanswered questions surrounding this whole mysterious killer thing it's a tough case to try and understand let alone solve the axe man only ever killed people with axes and razors from their own homes like he killed them with their own axes and he brought his own chisel every time to take the panel out of the back door that is the weirdest yeah so he was like methodical enough to bring extra clothes to flee the scene in a clean outfit but But behind but he left behind his own bloody clothing at some of the crime scenes it's weird and like he he attacked mostly italians but made like a few rare exceptions like mrs schneider like this is making no sense yeah that's like so much evidence to leave behind too yeah well i mean it's also 1918 they didn't know what a fingerprint was no they knew what a fingerprint was but they didn't they didn't, <laughs> couldn't identify people by that so after a short hiatus a little vacation from murder if you will the axeman <laughs> what do you think he did in that i went time? to jamaica <laughs> it's like every white girl that goes to the bahamas on family vacation comes back with the braids <laughs> and you're oh. like girl stop <laughs> Ooh. the axeman comes back with braids oh Oh no. Okay. Anyways, the Axeman returned to his regular MO in 1919, but this time he attacked an entire family. So the Cortomiglias, here's a here's just a quote from one of the articles I read. Sounds like a part of the brain. Cortomiglia. <laughs> no. I got a concussion and now my Cortomiglia is bruised. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. Here's a quote from one of the articles. 
it's like, quote, Rosie Cortemiglia, I can't, it makes me think of her brain now. Cortemiglia awoke to the sight of her husband, Charles, fighting the Axeman. It was a fight he would lose, taking multiple blows to the head and suffering a fractured skull. The Axeman would then turn his attention to Rosie, who was also cradling her two-year-old daughter in her arms. The axe came down upon both of them, killing the child instantly and fracturing Rosie's skull. Uh, so Joseph and Rosie horrible. would go on to make a full recovery, but unfortunately their two-year-old daughter like died instantly from the attack. And in the midst of the attack, their neighbor, Lorlando Giordano, which like movie star name if I ever heard one. Lorlando? Right? Lorlando Giordano. That's good. That's That's good. Heard screaming. He heard screaming and he rushed over to his neighbor's house to try and help. But when he got there, the Axeman had already fled. And after Charles and Rosie recovered, Rosie told the police, listen to this. She told the police that it was Giordano who had attacked them. And no. he was he was a rival grocer in the area and Rosie pinned the blame on him no and his son. Way. Yeah, she play, she no. she put the blame on him and his son way. Frank. So both of the men were charged with murder and Frank was sentenced to hang while Giordano was sentenced to life in prison. Are you kidding me? No. That is <laughs> so bad. I know. And the Charles beef. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and Charles denied the accusations of course and actually went on to divorce Rosie. He was like, oh "No, this didn't God. happen." But the courts charge them guilty anyways yeah and what a savage i know but thankfully she recanted her statements she was saying That's so she bad accused... for the public too because like i know it's like oh we caught him well, yeah we caught him we can relax it's like, now no and no they just lied oh yeah. my god she actually recanted her statements later saying that she accused them out of spite and jealousy she said that That's she so she said that up. she accused them out of spite and jealousy which like okay but it That's rubs me messed. the wrong way especially somebody just murdered your child and instead of trying to yeah. give valid testimony to help police catch the man who actually did it you're you're gonna you know use it for personal gain yeah you have your neighbors wow. arrested be- because you're like jealous that they're doing better in their grocery store than you. Who like, also what? tried to help? That it seems so selfish. Like, where's the justice for her daughter in any of that? Anyways, Jordan, Giordano and Frank were that actually sucks. released from prison after Josie recant or Rosie recanted. So that's good. But they spent a year in prison. <laughs> like that's so awful. Oh, anyways, here's where it gets weird. But the, so the neighbor was executed. No, 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 no. Like, you wait on death row a while before you're executed, okay. so cool. thankfully he wasn't. Yeah. Here's where it gets weird. This is my favorite part. <laughs> Here's where the jazz comes in. I'm so excited. I'm also really cold, so. This is, okay. This part is always everyone's favorite. Here's a quote. Here, I'm going to give you a quote. Okay. A few days after the attack on the Cordomiglias, the Axeman decided to write to the Times-Picayune newspaper. The letterhead said, hell, and it was addressed to esteemed mortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Axeman would go on to describe himself as a demon from the hottest hell who had wow. a close relationship with the angel of death and bragging that he could kill thousands more if he wanted to. Wow. He taunted the, quote, foolish police, declaring that he'd never be caught as he was not a human being. Wow. <laughs> that's why he can't bring his own weapons. There's no weapons <laughs> in hell. Actually, he doesn't get a carry on back and forth. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just said there's no weapons in hell. There's probably... <laughs> So many weapons in hell. Okay, but here's here's a he good part. He doesn't get a carry on. That's so funny. <laughs> then in, in the letter, he also wrote another quote. This is this is him speaking now. Quote: Now to be exact, at twelve fifteen, quote 
earthly time he put he put that in parentheses at 12 15 earthly time on next tuesday night i'm going to pass over new orleans in my infinite mercy i am going to make a little proposition to you people here it is i am very fond of jazz music and i swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time i have just mentioned no way if everyone has a jazz band going well then so much for the better for you people one thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, parentheses, if there be any, will get the axe. <laughs> okay, not to condone this. <laughs> but he says, jazz it out. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to make a threat. Maybe he was like, I want nothing to do. That is the coolest thing. He's like, I'm not doing anything Tuesday night, but like nobody has invited me to go to the clubs. <laughs> so he just turns the whole city into a club because everybody's playing jazz. <laughs> Did they do it? Yeah, nobody was killed that night. It's like Passover. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do jazz. Like March 19th at 12.15, the whole city's just rage into some are they, jazz. Are they like... And he's like walking through the streets like, mm, okay, I'll spare you. All right. All right, you're good. <laughs> like the, jazz bands or like a Like people played player? records. Okay. All of the clubs in New Orleans had live jazz going at that moment. Oh. Like, Yeah. It's like we don't negotiate with terrorists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, jazz? Yeah, whatever. We can do that. We yeah. can do that. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> Money? Helicopter? Nah. Jazz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got you. But, like, it was so... This night was just so... What just a whack. goofy goober. A composer even created a jazz piece called The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz. And it would actually go on to become, don't. like, this really huge hit. I listened to it, and oh, my Dude. God. I can't even explain to you how out of place it feels. It's like this happy, like, ragtime type of tune. But in your head, you're uh. like... I know this is supposed to be a song about brutal axe murder, but I can't help but tap my foot to this oh. shit. <laughs> You're like, this slaps. They, like, <laughs> served it up to him on a silver platter. Like, they and, should like, not have done that. And, okay, if we can put it into the recording, we'll put it in here, but you have to listen to it. If not, Google it on your yeah, own. I'll put it in. I'll put I'm going to play it there. for you right now. Imagining all these like Victorian families just sitting at home, just terrified in the corner, and then this is playing over the jukebox, like we're gonna die, and this is the background. That's so funny. That's ridiculous. When I die, man. I want to die to some ragtime. Die to some ragtime. <laughs> yeah. I love a good sh- sea shanty. Sea shanty. She shanty. It's like Mrs. Schneider. If it has an SH sound, I'm gonna fuck it up. Schneider. Hello, my honey. What is it? It's whenever I think of that song, I think of a frog in a tiny top hat and little waistcoat singing it. But yeah, no one was murdered that night. But Good five months later, the attacks resumed with grocer Steve Boca. Five Sorry, months yeah. later? Sorry, Steve. Wow. Um, like, you have appeased me for the moment. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I can hold off for a little bit. Uh, but same MO, same type of entry. Nothing That's was crazy. stolen. Steve recovered after his attack, but he couldn't remember anything. Um, and a month after Steve Boca's attack, a teenager named Sarah Lauman was attacked in her home. She suffered head injuries and had a few of her teeth knocked out, just like uh, Mrs. Schneider. But ultimately, she survived the attack. And the the Axeman left the bloody axe on her lawn. And while she survived, she couldn't remember any of the details about the attack or the attacker. Um, and the weird thing about this one, okay, the attacker came through the window, not the back door, like every other mm. attack. Like, this could mean it was a copycat 
Maybe he or just lost his chisel. And not the actual Axe Man. <laughs> yeah, he maybe he lost his chisel. But we don't know for sure. But people attribute this to the Axe Man. Um, and shortly after Sarah's attack, the Axe Man would strike for the last time. Mike Pepitone, <laughs> Pepperoni, <laughs> was murdered uh, in his home. Oh, why did I say that? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Make fun of his name. Was murdered in his home. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so funny. I'm sorry, Mike Pepitone. His wife awoke to the sounds of a fight in the next room over, only to find Mike laying in a pool of blood. Uh, reports said that there was blood spatter covering most of the walls. And oh, wow. Mrs. Pe- Mrs. Pepitone, it's taking everything within me not to say pepperoni, yeah. reported seeing two men flee the scene. So aside from the additional person, the rest of the MO two. was unchanged. Yeah. So Mike Pepitone died from his injuries a day later, and the Axeman was never seen or heard from again. Maybe he found a gal friend. <laughs> what makes you think he's heterosexual? A, a guy friend. <laughs> a Don't assume friend. things, a Ben. A person friend. But yeah, You're right. that's, to, to this day, the crime remains unsolved with no solid suspects. Whack. Yeah. But like every crime did in 1918, because <laughs> no wonder, science. I'm thinking. I wonder if he is one of those people who's like a recluse, or if he's one of those people. He was in a nice like, suit and a slouch hat. That doesn't sound like like a like a recluse to me. Yeah. Sounds like he has a job. Maybe he has a wife and kids and a life or whatever. Yeah. So instead of going out you with know. the boys, he goes out with the axe. <laughs> I don't know. Goes out with the chisel. He's like, I'm gonna go woodwork tonight. He's like, babe, I'll be back. I I got some paint to scrape. <laughs> that's funny. That's that's, so that's a weird thought to think about, like how many axes are out there that have that history attached to them. Yeah, like know? a murder. Well, there's a lot of tools that have murders attached to them. But like all these are from the same person. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that crazy. Kinda whack. There was actually I was and I was reading in some articles. There's more murders in like the 1920s that we could attribute to the um to the axe man but they're in an like he cro- he would have had to cross the mississippi river into another state to commit these murders and so they're they're okay. not sure if it was him but maybe he did go on to kill more we don't know hmm. yeah back then they were like wow. forensics don't know her <laughs> so nothing got solved but yeah that was my case this week dang so uh how many total murders do you think it was or was it? Do you uh, have the stat? Or? I don't have it down anywhere, but I can count. One. Okay. One, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Ah, nine. Ah, ah. I think there was nine attacks that we know of that are attributed yeah. to him. Um, but like wow. 18 people were attacked because there's multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. What a weird... Why Italian shopkeeps? He's probably racist. And but like Italian... Keeps? Well, because most italians if they weren't working in the fields they owned a grocery store or like owned a business like that and so he probably just targeted people within the city that own their own business Hmm. easy to find if you're if you you know you can walk around to the store when he wanted to murder people he also wanted a snack so oh my gosh (laughs) that's a bad joke he didn't take anything (laughs) he didn't take nothing no he didn't but which is weird because i would totally take food for your troubles for my troubles (laughs) for their troubles okay anyways that's my case i'm so excited to hear about yours though that was great my turn okay so my portion of this episode is taking a look at the japanese doomsday cult om shinrikyo shinrikyo 
See, this is going to be harder than Mrs. Schneider to pronounce bit, for yeah, me. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. So, Om Shinrikyo is a cult dedicated to the art of yoga and human suffering. Love that. <laughs> and yoga is pretty loosely used here because they do everything from, like, LSD and other hallucinogenics <laughs> and to, They just like, take a bunch of drugs and lay on the floor and call it Shavasana. <laughs> yeah, they would, you know, they would do the classic yoga pose and, like, hang each other upside down and do like shock what? therapy and stuff <gasps> so it's not really yoga covers a lot of different weirdo things here so like not yoga at all <laughs> yeah not yoga at all some of it was legit yoga though okay so i said doomsday cult they believed the end of the world was coming their leader was their messiah and they needed to do violence to bring about the apocalypse that's kind of what they believed in hmm. okay so he was appointed by god and then they were going to be the chosen ones and like survive the end of the world uh this is like very stereotypical like classic cult stuff it's weird because lsd and the hallucinogenics were like a side note the cults that i've heard about that's kind of a or it mm. takes a front seat you know and in this one it was you know it's just a footnote in this one but it is a footnote because there's a whole ton of other weird stuff about this cult they formed an animation studio and they put out a 10 episode anime <laughs> featuring their leader singing and floating and they like portray him like christ man studio ghibli's really gone downhill (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they had like a legit production company that's why made a 10 episode miniseries to recruit otaku which is you know what otaku are otaku people who were really into anime and they would try to recruit them through this just gotta send them all those free um body pillows with the anime girls on (laughs) (laughs) no with the leader of this on them yeah, but he's in a bikini like, with like big yiddies. <laughs> I mean, he's so goofy looking. The leader of this of this cult is so goofy looking. He looks like a teddy bear. Like he looks like not that bad it of a guy. Makes me not like teddy bears. <laughs> if you look this cult up, you'll see the leader who started all this perched on his beanbag chair like a total guru. <laughs> he would have a beanbag chair. Yeah, it's so goofy. So this self-proclaimed messiah is Shoko Asahara, born in 1955 into a large and poor family who made tatami, which are these mats for traditional Japanese housing. He was partially blind from birth because he had mm-hmm. infantile glaucoma, which mm-hmm. like affected his eyes. He gets enrolled into a school for the blind, and Wikipedia says this guy was a bully. He would oh. beat people up and like take their money. Not Started a good guy. Started at a young age. Mm-hmm. Just a young entrepreneur. <laughs> when he graduated in 1977 from the School of the Blind, he got married and started down the path of an acupuncturist which apparently is a common career for the blind in Japan. An acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want a blind person sticking needles into me. I was thinking that, but then I was like, well, first of all, he's only half blind. And second oh, of all, okay, well then in that case... acupuncture, you're feeling their back, right? So maybe you have like a more intimate knowledge of the human body if you have to feel it. I don't know, man. To you each know? their own. You can go ahead and get acupuncture by a blind guy. <laughs> I don't think I will. <laughs> Not this dude. Okay, but I got but... that. I got us that Groupon. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, am I supposed to do now? I'm out sixty bucks. <laughs> that's a good deal. Good deal. But yeah, um, at this time he was also studying traditional Japanese medicine. He was a scammer on the side. He would sell pharmaceuticals without a license, as well as selling unregulated drugs. Hmm. He got convicted of this and fined the American equivalent of like two thousand dollars. After getting in trouble with the law, he starts studying Chinese astrology and Taoism. Hmm. Let me guess. He's a Taurus. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
what are you is that an educated guess like are you, are you into that no stuff? i have no actually no idea okay. i only i i don't believe it until i look at like i'm looking at instagram posts that are about astrology and it's like something good about gemini's i'm like oh yeah that's <laughs> totally true and that's then funny. it says something bad and i'm like this mm. this shit's fake <laughs> <laughs> i'm a sagittarius and i don't know like the rising or the, no i have no I idea i'd have stuff. to take an internet quiz to figure that out yeah, i'm a gemini out, though you gotta figure <laughs> out like when when you're born and like i was born that, at 8 42 in the morning on a thursday so you could probably find out probably just gotta find out like what the moon was doing at the time i'm gonna take an internet quiz maybe that's what okay. we should do after this side take note. an internet quiz it's like a side note of a side note but i need buzzfeed to tell me my astrological signs <laughs> <laughs> okay back to what back to the distracted <laughs> sidetrack i was gonna say so far down the rabbit hole yeah but i do think the moon does affect like how people work or how people do things oh yeah for sure full right? moons people yeah. go crazy hospitals right? are always full yeah, yeah like that's that's weird that there's got to be something i going saw on. a tweet i don't know if this is real because well it was real because i saw it on twitter obviously mm-hmm. um <laughs> the, <laughs> it's like the reason the the we act weird when it's a full moon is because the moon you know controls the water and like makes waves go in and out you know yeah. the gravitational pull and our blood is like 75 percent water yeah and i was like yeah <gasps> that makes sense like that's a connection you can make but back to shoko asahara the leader of oh i'm not gonna say this wrong um shrinky shrink <laughs> oh, shrinky dink um um Shinrikyo. Yeah, I bet you feel real good now making fun of me from Mrs. Schneider. Schneider is not nearly as hard to say as Om Shrinkyo. Some of us have a strange speech Shin- impediment where I can't Shinrikyo. say sh- Yeah, back to it. Om Shinrikyo, the leader of Om Shinrikyo, Shoko Asahara, was not very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting more interested in religion. He's becoming more Zen, you know, getting in tune with his own self and, you know, how to exploit religion to make people do things. At this time, he forms the religious group Aum Shinsen no Kai, and the name becomes Aum Shinrikyo in 1987. Do you think all of your years of watching anime have really prepared you to pronounce these? Probably. <laughs> nice. It only took him two years to become a legally recognized religion in 1989, and, you know, all the protections that come with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they do, like, tax write-offs like they do in the U.S., but... I would assume so. Something like that. Yeah. So Aum Shinrikyo makes the village of Kamikui Shiki their home base. And they set up like a religious center and some other facilities, probably like a yoga studio or something. Hmm. Probably an animation like, <laughs> an production animation building. Studio. Yeah, you got to have a place for that. Yoga is like a big part of the cult, so I assume they actually did have like, a dedicated building or buildings for it. <laughs> but yeah, recruiting using anime and yoga, that's pretty Do you think we should start doing there. that for a dance team? should we make a make video it. of me floating <laughs> yeah did you see that did you see that um the the gif that i sent no it's from the anime it's like the leader guy just like floating no yeah it's crazy why do you why do you I'll motion boobs Instagram. when you said floating because he's like you know he's doing oh he's classic. doing that oh, yeah. okay motion boobs i don't motion boobs well you went like that it, yeah he, he do be having some big old tatas yeah and in this area it's we're still in the city of Kamikuishiki and they also had like factories set up for the production of weapons and this toxic gas that they would later test on innocent Japanese citizens. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. This is really weird. The yoga recruitment apparently works really well in Russian circles and they get some pretty good connections. 
do a little yoga with a Russian and he'll show you his arms factory. Because in 1993... <laughs> when you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> in 1993, members of this cult travel to a Russian arms factory and get a nice little lecture. Like, there's a YouTube video I watched of this lecture. And they're, like, teaching him how to make gunpowder, what it should look what? like, what it should I saw consist it. of, like, all this crazy stuff. They send him home with an AK-47 and, like, blueprints for look this stuff. I found in the gift shop, Mom. They literally teach them. Like, they well, teach them I how to make t- all this stuff. I saw a TikTok about this girl who was showing a video from when she was younger. They literally teach kids in Russian schools how to, you know, take apart and put back together, like, a big rifle. No like, way. Like, that's part of your school education. I'm going to fact check that because that's crazy. Yeah, you should. I just saw it on TikTok. So, I mean, People obviously that means it's true. But it's like all of, of her classmates, you had to, like, come up to the front and, like, disassemble like and reassemble school. the rifle. I don't know. If maybe. that's just like a regular school. This seems very Russian. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> they also tame bears at recess. They get this, you know, these lectures on how to, I think this might be where they get taught to make the sarin gas, but they also. Wouldn't surprise me. Just a bunch of weapons, bunch of stuff like that. So they're like, okay. Then they buy up a bankrupt ironworks factory in Japan and begin the production of guns, ammo, and sarin gas. The AK-47 production didn't really pan out as they only made one out of the 1,000 that they wanted to. (laughs) But the sarin gas making was going really well for them, and they produce a shit ton of it. So Is that in metric measurements? Metric shit ton. In 1994, Shoko Asahara wanted to set up a factory in this other area in Japan, Matsumoto. It's a a city in Japan. But the people of the city are really against this because they kind of know a little bit about this guy and this cult and they're like kind of freaked out so they do this petition and 90 percent or sorry 70 percent of the city's population signs it Hmm. to like oppose it so this kind of pissed them off because you know the whole city's like we don't want you here Mm -hmm. so this was reason enough for the om shinrikyo to say you know what let's test how good our poison gas is so june 24 1994 they planned to release gas at a courthouse while the judges were in And these judges were the target because there's a real estate dispute going on between the cult and a Matsumoto property owner, probably Mm. about where they want to build this factory. Yeah. And they arrive at the courthouse late and they had to switch their plans because the judges aren't there. Mm. They've like outfitted this refrigerator truck to release 12 liters of sarin gas into the air. Jeez. Via a heater. It like heats it up and then it disperses and they have fans to blow it around as well. They end up releasing 12 liters of sarin gas into the air outside an apartment building that three of the judges lived in. Oh. And it affected the entire neighborhood, and people who happened to pass by or have their windows open just had an absolutely nasty surprise. Seven died from the attack, which is not that many considering there was 274 hospitalized. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and their conditions range from, well, it's mostly about their eyes and stuff, but... Mm -hmm. Darkened vision, eye pain, headaches, nausea, diarrhea, meiosis, which is like your pupil shrinks really small. Not good. And numbness in your hands. Uh, One even went into a coma and died all the way later in 2008. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So. This was in 1994? They were in coma for that long? Yeah, pretty bad. So, yeah, they released this into the air in a neighborhood, right? Not super... You know, because it can disperse a lot, so it's Mm -hmm. not super deadly. They realized that this could be a really efficient weapon in enclosed spaces. And since they're trying to do violence to bring about the end times, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to, that's what they're going to do. Before the police go after Om Shinrikyo, because they don't know about him, 
they go after the husband of the woman who's in the coma. He apparently had a stockpile of pesticides in his house, hmm. which is, that's pretty that's sus. Weird. That's yeah. pretty sus. But researchers or scientists or whatever said that you're physically unable to turn these pesticides into sarin. Oh. He's like, what? I got a lot of bugs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's probably, it's really weird. Like It is weird. I mean, he was a victim. He's not involved at all. His wife's, His wife's in, in a, a coma. coma. Yeah, because this is like a major terrorist yeah, yeah. attack. And the newspapers report that this dude is the poison gas man. Oh, no. Just ruining his life. His wife's in a coma. Like, they just oh. screw this guy. He's receiving hate mail. Death threats. Death threats. Yeah. yeah, this guy's totally screwed. The police eventually realize their mistake and apologize, but it's way too late. Like, it's like, this I shouldn't have stocked up at Costco. Over. Damn. Yeah, seriously. I saw a deal and I took it and then they called me the poison gas man. (laughs) Man, Um, people in both our cases are getting screwed over. That guy. I know, yeah. Frank and Giordano in my case. That was so bad. Damn. The police do eventually, I think they get an anonymous tip on this one Mm. that Shinrikyo is involved. Like Mm -hmm. the Om Om Shinrikyo cult is involved somehow. The cult's official take on this when asked is, they didn't know about this. They didn't know what their like members us? were planning. What? You think it was yeah. us? And They're the like looking attack. behind them. <laughs> <laughs> in 1995, the sarin gas is used again in an enclosed space, the Tokyo subway system. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. So the the capital, thousands suffer injuries. Some yeah. say like 6,000 oh, injured. Thousands of people ride that subway every day. Yeah. Just the absolute Ooh. worst place to carry it. I mean, best place to carry out an attack. <laughs> worst place to be a victim. Like, yeah, it's geez. pretty bad. I'm actually really surprised that it was only 13 deaths because, like, seeing the videos of them spraying well, the whole subway down after they're wearing like full, full yeah, um well, releasing it into the air called. outdoors killed like 70 something people. Seven people. Seven, seven people. people. Okay, but injured 274. Like 200, so for yeah. keeping those statistics, like, I guess that makes sense. But, oh, that's a lot of people. Since it's in the capital, they're gonna say, oh, they were trying to. It was like a coup or whatever, but it's not. It's not a coup. It's just like a terrorist attack. Uh, but yeah, this the other one was trying to get the. Trying what to was kill their the, motivation? Yeah, because their their other one was trying to kill the judges. The judges over the dispute. This one, they just pretty wanted much, to wreak havoc. Yeah, they kind of just wanted to kill as many people as possible. Oh, that's awful. And get the ball rolling for the apocalypse, which I don't know how that what? would work, but yeah. these people are crazy. So well, I don't yeah, know. there's no rationalizing any of what yeah. they're doing. So this attack, combined with their assassination of an anti-cult lawyer gives the government enough evidence to apprehend and prosecute a bunch of members of Aum Shinrikyo. They find Shoko, who's the leader, at the cult's headquarters in back in uh, Kemikuishiki, which is mm-hmm. their base that they had set up. They had facilities and stuff. They were kind of living there in like a group. They find him there, and they also find explosives, chemical weapons, and a Russian military helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. How did they, they also, get that into Japan without anybody noticing? I have no idea. <laughs> But government didn't question that at all they had some good <laughs> russian connections apparently Jeez. if they can get a helicopter out of them how far ridiculous. well russia's not that far away i guess i mean it's not like russian government it's like just russians yeah but like that we're like oh this is a cool cult i like this That's so weird that is weird anthrax and ebola cultures were reported <gasps> but it turns out this was kind of exaggerated which i don't mm. know if that means none or only a little bit but Apparently a they little made a bit of anthrax is not a good thing. I know. Or Ebola culture. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. But you know what's not a little bit of a chemical weapon? Stockpiles of chemicals that could be used for producing enough sarin gas to kill 4 million people. 
were found at this compound. Like that's a ton. Oh my God. Imagine that is if ins- they had to made kill, more. To kill because they You could have killed like an entire city. They injured six thousand in a couple subway with I don't know how much, but they messed up two hundred and seventy four with twelve liters. That's not so, that much. That's not like, that much. Thinking about volume wise, that's not a lot 12 of twelve liters is really not that to much. Yeah. Mess up that many people. An entire like block? Jeez. That's crazy. And like Oh my gosh, I forgot to write this down. But in the article I was looking at, dead fish, dead dogs, <gasps> dead cats, all oh. sorts of dead animals were found all over the place in the oh, area. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, in Matsumoto, no uh, that puppies. city or whatever. Ridiculous. Like, it's just killing everything. Like, the grass oh. shriveled up, trees oh, all fucked up. Oh my god. It's crazy. That, like, this oh stuff my. is strong. Yeah, I totally forgot to How put that in here. I've never heard of this before, this case. This Saren is gas? whack. Oh, the case? Yeah, the whole case. Yeah. Because this is serious stuff, you know? Yeah. It's a whole terrorist attack. Yeah. Jeez. So 13 get the death penalty, and hundreds of members get life in prison, including the leader. He gets the death penalty after a while. But at the time, Japan's like, eh, I don't Iffy know about, about the, death the death penalty. penalty. Yeah. Yeah, but he does get executed, I think, 2000. I don't remember. Well, either way, he dies. Yeah, he dies. Um, today, the cult is actually still active and doing pretty well. Oh. Uh, they're now they're called Aleph and mostly just scam people for their yoga or religious study sessions. Like, a, a woman was scammed out of, like, thousands of dollars oh, for... Oh, that's so sad. So, you know, they're monitored. It's not even real yoga. Um, yeah. <laughs> I bet they toned it down a little bit. It's probably not Maybe. as crazy. They're not hanging people upside down. Yeah, but as of 2011, Aleph had, and remember it's called Aleph now, mm-hmm. not Om Shinriko, had approximately a thousand members in 2011. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, with some 650 living in a community compound. Jeez. Yeah, pretty crazy. They keep, they end up keeping their religious freedom till today, but they're closely monitored, obviously, and on every terrorist list that's yeah, in the I world. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, in 2019. Got Japanese police checking in every like Saturday or so. They're like, "Hey, yeah, guys, they have to. This what's going on? They have to provide a member list every so often or whatever. I don't know what the crazy time is, but yeah. 2019, a member of Aleph committed an attack on a crowded New Year's Plaza. No. His name is Kusakabe, and he rammed his car into people, <gasps> injuring eight. And he did this in protest of the death penalty. Bro. <laughs> yeah. He I don't rammed like, his car into eight people. That's basically murder. I'm going to go kill people now. Yeah. Yo, why are you committing murder? Yeah. Look how uh, bad that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, crazy enough, this wasn't even his original plan. He got, like, overwhelmed and ended up ramming into people with a mini car. It's like a really it's small like car, a that he, car that he rented. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking of, like, a golf cart ramming into people, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> dude, I'm just trying to cross the street, okay? <laughs> Injuring eight. It's like twisted thumbs. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sprained ankle. How bad could it be? Yeah. So... His original plan, he came stocked with kerosene and a homemade flamethrower. He had a pressure sprayer fitted with an igniter in his car at the time of the attack. He said he planned to burn people alive at a popular shrine. No, thank you. And it's New Year's. It's like New Year's Eve or whatever. So there's a bunch of people out and he would have just, it would have been really bad. The same guy that was protesting the death penalty was like, I'm going to burn people alive. Yeah. Again, protesting the death penalty. (laughs) Brings no, it all kerosene out. and a flamethrower. What? No, I get that logic. I see it. <laughs> I can connect those dots. I see the vision, bro. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we'll post a snippet of the anime and a picture of Shoko on his little beanbag. Because <laughs> he's so I gotta cute. I got to see this. He's yeah. so cute. 
look at this murderer. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty messed. God. But there's like so much weird little things in this case. The fact there's there's still an active cult today. They've got uh, a cool flag. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, that's fine. You know those tapestries that people have like with a cool design? The mandalas and stuff? Yeah, it kind of yeah. looks like that a little bit. But oh, cooler. well, in that case, it's just, yeah. It's cooler. <laughs> but, dude, you got to watch the intro to this anime. It is ridiculous. Well, he I'm just excited. like he goes into the classic yoga pose no, no. and then he hovers and then he bounces. <laughs> he goes boing boing like on the ground. I love that. It's insane. <laughs> so funny. But seriously, like the dissonance, I watched that and then I'm like, this guy orchestrated gas attacks. <laughs> this guy killed hundreds and of people. He's like singing. He sings the intro and he voices all the characters. Well, oh. he's like the only character. There's yeah. other people in it, but they're just like, oh my God, it's Christ. <laughs> you know? Oh my God, it's Christ. Like, what? <laughs> this dude. It was really a one-man show. It was. He's a triple threat. He's singing. He's bouncing. Oh, yeah. Um, and as he can part act. of the, they had like a live stream of his singing. So oh, they no. would, pe- the, the members would just watch him sing Love on that. his little beanbag chair. And he would like <laughs> answer questions beanbag. and stuff. That's so crazy. Q&A. Ask me anything. Going yeah. live. <laughs> yeah. Look this guy up. Shoko Asahara. He changed. Well, it's his Message me if you want to work for yourself and be a girl boss. <laughs> oh, my God. Grew that up, was why. Grew up a semi-blind bully and turned into a religious leader. Who turned into a semi-blind adult bully. Had connections with Russian arms manufacturers and committed gas attacks. That's crazy. Pretty gnarly. That was a good case. Yeah, very fun to research. That's why. Yeah. All right. Well, here at Archive, we like to end on a high note, as we know. So I found this uplifting article that I wanted to share. Uh, it's titled Inspired by Brother with Autism, New App Helps Adults with Special Needs Make Friends. Oh, dope. I know. It's so heartwarming. Nice. Because Juliana Featherman's 22-year-old brother has autism and ADHD and has been very lonely due to his lack of friends. Damn. Michael doesn't have the social skills to meet and engage with new people, and it's bothered her for a long time. So she made an app for that. It's called, it's so cute, it's called Making Authentic Friendships is the title of the app. Wow, that's I love dope. That. And it connects people over age 13 who have special needs so, they, so that they can make friends based on age, diagnosis, interest, and geographic location. So the app's available for both Android and iOS devices, and it serves communities in all 50 states and 45 countries. Wow, that's great. I love that so much. That's great. My mom worked with special ed kids a lot as like a teacher, and so I don't know. It just has like a special special place in my heart. Yeah, it's really that's really heartwarming awesome. to hear about. And Juliana, who recently earned her MBA at Connecticut University, says she's pledging to dedicate her entire life to bettering the lives of those with autism and other special needs. So I thought that was really awesome. That's great. So if you what or anyone you know what a great cause. has special needs and would like to make friends in their area that are also on the special needs spectrum. Go ahead and make, show them make this op- app. What is it? Make authentic friendships. Making today? authentic friendships. Making authentic friendships. I love that. It's just a little heartwarming, heartwarming story to end this, end the episode with, because yeah. those are some heavy, heavy cases. Yeah. Funny but heavy. That's so crazy. They never caught the axe man. No. That's so much evidence to leave behind. It was 1918. They never caught anyone. I know, but <laughs> that's that's really bad actually. Yeah. Well, it's fine. We catch people now because we have science. But anyways, yeah. Okay. So that was our episode this week. We will see you next week. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Archive Pod on Instagram, at Archive The Pod on Twitter. Our website should be up in a few days. So check out for that. It's in our link tree that's in both of our Twitter and Instagram bios. 
Yeah. Shout out to Bailey for making all that stuff happen. Ah, shucks. Pretty cool. It was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next week. But I'm Ben. I'm going to play it for you. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Benjamin. I have to pee. Well, that's too bad. Listen to my... Yeah, but when pee... When peace... (laughs) 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 When police... Um, yeah... Um, yeah. Are you going to finish that? That's uh, just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the murder? I know. <laughs> Brutal axe murder? God, it's the worst. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, Mike Pepitone, pepperoni, <laughs> was murdered uh. in his home. Oh, why did I say that? Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike Pepitone. And then what? Jonah Hill goes, when I finger popping each other's assholes. Can you bring the mic up? It looks like it's tilted. Well, because I'm sitting up now. I was slouched. Okay, my bad. Yeah, in my neutral position. I want my spine to look like a circle. Like half of a circle. Oh my god! (laughs) Give me the scoliosis! Beauty standards today. Sheesh. (laughs) Bomb shrinky... Shrink... (laughs) Shrinky dink.